something huge. We are at a crossroads and the future is completely within our control. We're living through the single biggest culture shift of our time. This is the time for us to just really take charge. That's what revolutions do. They enable the impossible. Take a look around. What if everything around you was connected? That's the future, and Lyndon Tibbetts is at the center of it. Lyndon is the CEO at IFT, and they're building a platform to connect the world's devices. Let's dive into today's episode and hear more from Lyndon. I'm Kit Bodner, and this is The Growth Show. So yeah, so when I think about like humans' comfort with, with automation, people seem mm-hmm. to have become very accustomed with automation on a software basis. It's software that per- performs some automated task on the web. But you know what, mm-hmm. what we're talking about today is connecting your clothes dryer with the internet, right? Or your dishwasher or things like that. Mm-hmm. And it seems like that's a much bigger leap for, for folks. And, and here you guys are in the middle of it trying to build a platform that kind of interfaces with all of these things, like and with all these different technologies, mm-hmm. what's the challenges you all face in doing that? And as a bystander here, it seems like a very, very difficult challenge. Oh, totally. And I think the challenge goes well beyond automation. Automation is, uh, I, I think, a fantastic word. But I think it, it really only captures uh, part of what I, I think the real problem mm-hmm. is. You know, when you think about automating something, you, you kind of immediately get this sense that, okay, well, you're no longer going to be involved. And for a lot of, a lot of things, you know, Marketing automation, that's a good thing. If you, you can set it up, it does this thing. You don't ever have to touch it. You're saving time. And so that's a big part of the problem that if solves. But I think there's this, I think, much more broader problem of which automation is a part of. And I, I would even use the word you know, connectivity or compatibility yeah. uh, to describe it. Uh, this confidence that once something is connected to the Internet, uh, that you're going to be able to interact with it and, and connect it to or, or automate it in really any way you'd want. Um, so you, when you think about, you know, let's take something as, as, as simple as your, your, your garage door opener. We've got, we've got a couple garage door openers uh, on it. Imagine connecting that to the internet. Um, now there's this whole kind of slew of problems as you can imagine is like, okay, well, does this work with my Android phone? And then my, you know, my car <laughs> only that works with iOS. And then like, oh, well, is this going to be compatible? Oh, well, I got an Amazon Alexa. Is it going to work with Amazon? You know, so it's like totally. there's this huge question of compatibility. And only some of those things are automation. Uh, other things could just be like, hey, I want to be in my garage and I want to be able to say to Amazon Alexa uh, the, to open and close my garage door. Is that going to work? Um, that's not really automation as much as it's just like connectivity, uh, compatibility. How, yeah. how, how, how does this stuff all work together? Yeah, and you said something very interesting earlier. I think you said the magic use cases were here was the magic word was use cases. So like mm-hmm. what people can actually do, and just because something can be connected or automated or or part of the platform doesn't mean it's actually useful. So mm-hmm. you know, you guys have this community. How have you seen it evolve and kind of create use cases for for these different? kind of, for lack of better terms, devices and, and connections? 
Oh, oh, totally. And I, I think maybe what I'll, I'll, I'll start with is kind of talk at least broadly about what are some of the kind of the broad buckets of use cases yeah. uh, that people use it. if for. You know, notifications. Let me know when something happens. Let me know when something on Craigslist is posted at a certain price. I just bought a chair that I could have never have afforded. They only posted a chair like this twice a year, have I seen it, all year. Finally, finally made that purchase a few weeks ago. Nice. Um, so, and that's a notification. It's in an email, yeah. but it's like, let me know when something happens. The second use case uh, is is or use kind of broad bucket of, of of use cases is really around this idea of, of of archiving, saving stuff for later, saving stuff to read later in pocket, saving stuff to 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 browse later, photos that you're tagged in to, mm -hmm. to have around later. You know, say you want to make a digital collage of some sort, or you just want to make sure you have a copy of that. Should yeah. it, taken down in some way. Um, so archiving is a very, very popular use case. Uh, the, the third bucket is really around, we see this huge behavior just around communication. Um, that could be social, could be things as, as straightforward as posting to Twitter or Facebook. Sure. Uh, but it could also be as simple as, uh, you know, on my way home, you know, use my location uh, to let my, my spouse or even my entire family know that I'm, I'm leaving work and I'm, I'm heading home. Um, so it's about kind of communicating when things happen, giving that information to someone else. And then the, the, the real fourth kind of emerging bucket is, uh, you know, connecting devices together. Now, you can, you can connect devices together and get notifications, mm -hmm. um, but you can also connect devices together and get, you know, entirely new use cases. So folks that are connecting their garage door to their Amazon Echo, uh, you know, that's not necessarily a notification. It's kind of this, this, this idea of compatibility. Um, and so those are kind of the, the, the four broad buckets. Um, and, and one of the things that IF does that's so special and what we think is, is really the secret sauce is we don't actually pretend to know what the use cases are. Um, <laughs> Fantastic. We, we, don't, we don't really even expect for the, the partners that are plugging in these services to really know all the use cases. So uh, we're, we're almost kind of a, a compatibility or a use case platform uh, in a way. Yeah, and, and that's what's interesting to me. And because of that, you have a lot of different audiences. Like, so when you when you wake up in the morning, who are in your mind is who you're, you know you're building this for? Like, who who's the the first user you think about? I guess. Yeah. So the the first user I think about is the is the user that has found value um, from if to date. Uh, it's hmm. folks that are. You know, I, I usually think of them. You know, I think I think power user is maybe also, also a word that's a little overused or yeah. kind of comes with its own set of baggage. But, you know, it's someone that has a high degree of sophistication uh, around a given service. And pretty much, you know, uh, that's everybody in the world. There's some service, there's some tool that you use enough to know exactly how it works. You know, it could be Snapchat, it could be a video game, it could yeah. be, you know, it could be your, your favorite toy and you're only two years old, but you know how that toy works, you know. Uh, and so, uh, once you're of some degree of sophistication around that service, you immediately begin to think of ways in which you can extend its capabilities, use it in new ways, use it together with other things. Uh, and it's those folks uh, that we really think about first, is how do we empower them once they know exactly what and how Dropbox works, or you know, they're big-time Evernote users, or they're, you're, they're huge fans of their Amazon Echo, or they're connected to the garage door opener. Um, how can we help them extend that beyond uh, what what was kind of uh, available on the surface? And then, you know, the second audience and the, the audience that we uh, really aspire 
to, to, to reach out to and, 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 and do something really useful for. Are the folks that maybe uh, don't have that degree of sophistication. Maybe they're, they're more sophisticated with another service or another tool, and they don't really know. They, they just happened to move into a new house, and it had to connect the garage door opener. Um, uh, and so how do we help them find use cases and find ways to extend that product without exactly knowing all the cool things that you can do with a connected garage door opener. Or they might even be skeptical. They might say, geez, why is this thing even connected <laughs> to the internet? And lo and behold, it happens to work with their favorite service and, and do something really neat that they didn't expect. The, the second group is very interesting. To me, you guys, are you're building this really interesting platform, but how do you make it easy enough for those folks to adopt you know, if somebody does like, I don't even know if I need a connected garage door. Like, how do you yeah. solve that problem? I think that's a great. I think that's a. It's a. It, it's a great question, and it's one we uh, we think a, a lot about. Um, you know, one of the things. One of the things that's actually evolved over time uh, is that you know, in the early days of the FX, we we really shied away from uh, this description of digital duct tape. We had a couple <laughs> folks label us digital duct tape, and we were kind of like. Mm. I don't, know, I, know, I don't know. You know, duct tapes. You know, it's not very sexy. It's kind of you know, it's it's oftentimes when you use duct tape on something, you're immediately kind of giving up on an elegant solution. Uh, you've duct taped it together, and I, I think over time, what, what's actually been really interesting is when you think about what we we actually do. It, it is kind of like digital duct tape. We enable someone that's maybe not an expert in programming or APIs mm -hmm. uh, to extend and make something work and make something work well enough that they, they think is valuable. Uh, and so I think as we think about reaching this larger audience, it's not necessarily about teaching how uh, teaching more people how to use duct tape or that they could use duct tape. It takes a very specific personality to even want to fix something with duct tape. Uh, but it's instead uh, empowering the brands themselves, the folks that could actually come up with a more elegant solution, uh, to do that in a way that, that looks essentially native to their service, native to the way in which they uh, uh, communicate the value around their service. So uh, think about, you know, rather than someone having to think, okay, well, you know, if, you know, if I'm within 30 yards of my home, then open my garage door. Or if I say this to Amazon Alexa, then open my garage door. Um, largely, it just becomes an on and off switch. You know, do you want to control your garage door opener with your Amazon Alexa? Or do you want to automatically open and close your garage door based on your location? Um, and I think that's the direction we, we will have to head uh, to make it as easy as saying, yes, I want to do that, or no, I don't want to do that, uh, and allow the, the brands themselves, the, 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 the partners that we've gathered, mm -hmm. to begin to tell those stories. So um, I think it's, it's a little bit of a hint into the future of, of where we're going. So it's, uh, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's something we're working on and, and going to be really excited to, to get out there hopefully later this year. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, you know... We've been talking for a few minutes. You're, uh, mm -hmm. man, Lyndon. He's a, he's an exceptionally sh sharp and bright guy. How did you end up with this? Like, you strike me as somebody who could be doing anything. You're a very, very smart person. You know, oh, what made you five years ago to decide to go down this path versus something else? Sure, sure. I, you know, happy to to give you a little of my backstory. So, you know, my my background. I, I'm originally from Texas. Uh, knew I, I wanted to be out here in the Bay Area at a pretty early age. I, I think I remember 12, 13 years old. Um, and, you know, a lot of that was 
stereotypical computer kid dreams of <laughs> making video games and Star Wars was out here and Pixar was out here. Uh, and that, you know, that's what I wanted to do. It's the dream. So, yeah. It really is. It really is. It's the, it's the, it's the nerd dream of, of my generation. <laughs> and, uh, not only did I, was I born, born with the nerd dream, I also was born quite tall. Um, <laughs> so I was able to, to leverage at least my, at least my height not necessarily my athletic ability uh, <laughs> to get a you know, basketball scholarship out here to the Bay Area. That's what that's what brought me out here originally. But I did computer engineering in school I was uh, I think a, a little bit better at computer engineering than I was at basketball, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, which was it turned out to be the the, the right thing to be better at. Um, and uh, yeah, was was lucky enough after school uh, got my first gig at, uh, electronic arts. So I, t- I lived the nerd dream all the way. You through. really did. Like 12 year old you was high-fiving you yeah, at this yeah, point. Yeah. Uh, and I think what was actually funny about that, I only made it about four or five months there at electronic arts. Um, and this was kind of right, right. Uh, I think it was right around 2005, 2006 is kind of like just around the iPhone, just pre iPhone, mm-hmm. just pre some of the, the kind of really neat indie arcade outlets. So, you know, video games at that time were like, you were on a 250-person team or you weren't making video games. Right. Um, and uh, so I, I think I was really struck by this kind of like this big, you know, there, it seemed like there were very few outlets for creative energy in that. And so I got really into design. Uh, did lots of one-off design projects. Got my foot in the door at the design firm Idea. Uh, was was hired on as a uh, a design obsessed engineer. Uh, so uh, <laughs> there are very few of you in the world, actually. What's that? There are very few. I feel like that fall in the design obsessed engineer camp in the world. That's it's a good yeah, camp yeah, to there, be there, in. Yeah, yeah, there are a few. I, I mean, I, I wanted nothing more than to to be thought of as a designer. So I kind of bothered <laughs> people. And yeah, it was there that I started to kind of bump into and think a lot about uh, some of the ideas that that led to it. And so. That, that gets into this idea, and we'll start to get really kind of abstract and, and kind of concepty. But uh, this idea of, of what I called at the time creative control, where in our physical world, we basically take for granted the amount of control and the amount of flexibility that we have. We make thousands upon thousands of decisions every day about how objects in our physical world work, how they work together, mm-hmm. how they work for us. You know, like uh, an example would be. We all chose an outfit this morning. Uh, of course, I don't see you, so I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully, you chose that. I did. Uh, but, I, 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 I did not come to work naked, so I, a successful day, you know. Good. So you you, you chose an outfit. Um, you know whether you chose whether it's cold outside or warm outside, you so on and so forth. So we kind of make these decisions. You know what what do we put on a shelf? What do we put on the table in front of us? We make all these decisions um, about how objects should work together, and we do this in a way that asks you know we ask very little permission. Uh, from the brands and the the companies that have built that object, you know, there there's no developers behind the scenes making all this stuff work <laughs> together. There's no kind of uh, business development deal, you know, as, as you know, as silly as it sounds, you know, you know, Nike and Levi's don't have some special agreement that allows everybody to wear Nike shoes and Levi's jeans together. Um, but that's kind of exactly how it works in this this more abstract digital place. Um, uh, there there there's all kinds of overhead and red tape. Uh, to make things work together. Mm-hmm. And so I think it was really that problem. And then kind of now you turn that on its head. That's what IFT is trying to solve. How do we give people that same level of confidence uh, such that they they totally take it for granted that <laughs> their digital stuff, their data, their information, their services not only work together, but also work for them. Um, and, and that's really what, what IFT is all about. 
Yeah, you know, when, when I think about this and I think about the problem you're solving, it's like, it's very funny, you know, whether it's an abstract object or a piece of software, the reality of it is, is you've got somebody making a product who has a very specific use case in mind. The person using it doesn't really know what that use case is a lot of the time, mm-hmm. and is kind mm-hmm. of just making up their own. And it seems like you're just embracing that and trying to facilitate that as best as possible, and then circulate those ideas to a, to a broader community so that the best ones can kind of rise up. Is that, totally, is totally. that right? Some of those some of those use cases are you know wild beyond the the builders uh, uh, you know kind of anything they could have dreamed up. And some of those use cases are just natural, right? Like uh, totally. Dropbox was made to store stuff in Dropbox. Um, but there's all kinds of stuff in the world that you might want to store in Dropbox. Photos you're tagged in, you know, every time every time you arrive home, uh, every time you turn your lights blue, do you want to save that to a, a text file in Dropbox? You know, like it, who's to say you should or shouldn't, right? It'd be as silly as someone saying you can't, you can't put this object in a drawer in your house. How do you stay focused? How do you stay focused on the core mission and drive mm-hmm. of what you're trying to do. It seems like you, more than almost anybody I've ever talked to, could could have, have a thousand different directions to go in. Uh, it, it's a big problem. Uh, <laughs> it's it's one of the biggest problems we face as a company is is really that that priority and that focus uh, that we have to apply. I think there will only be more connected things, connected services. Um, and uh, we, we now have to kind of say, okay, well, what groups of those services should we kind of dedicate time to actually go after and convince that they should they should work with us? You know, one of my, and I, you know, I, we've got some that are make a whole lot of sense on the business side. You mm-hmm. know, how do we go after enterprise services? Sure. Or how do we go after uh, Internet of Things companies, so on and so forth? There's also things, uh, you know, whole categories. Uh, I would even say from uh, a personal or just kind of, uh, 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 you know, just excitement uh, perspective, you know, I, I think government services, uh, and it's probably going to take, it'll probably take City another decade services. to get government oh, yeah. services. But, but you know, think as as much excitement as there were a few years ago around, like, oh, what if what if a bunch of these government agencies actually had like open APIs? Mm-hmm. Uh, I would even take that further. They should have open APIs, but they should also plug some of those APIs into it um, and essentially turn folks that are never going to be programmers or never going to think of themselves as programmers into folks that are capable of doing something really interesting with all this data that we uh, that we help create, that we literally pay for each year with our taxes. Uh, how do we help extend that and, and make more, more use out of it? So, um, yes, focus is a problem. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I think it's, fo- it's a problem for everybody. And, uh, you know, especially as you're evolving, trying to figure out what the company is going to be in the different stages that it is. You know, what's the other the other thing that I wonder is, you know, you've been at this for for five years. We have a lot of people who listen who are just getting started or um, trying to figure out what they're going to do. If you if you had a time machine, you could go back to when you started. What would you do differently now? Like, what what, what are the big learnings that you found over the the first five years of the company? Uh, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, there's they're really they're really kind of countless. Um, <laughs> uh, you know. I would say some of the ones that 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 are that are top of mind, uh, at least right now. I would say one is, um, it's easy to rush into. You know, like I, there's so much of the narrative, uh, especially around startups nowadays, are you know, um, you know, kind of uh, 
the the whole kind of uh, lean startup or MVP, yeah. uh, test things out, iterate, iterate, you know, and uh, you kind of like you have an you know ideas are cheap, execution is what really matters. And, and I think, <laughs> I think those, Chris Sacco wears that T-shirt every day. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and and those and there's I'm not saying that those are wrong. Sure. Um, but what what I think is so interesting, I think there's this kind of this uh, this kind of current failure in the system uh, for people to really go for you know, big, crazy things. And, you know, I, I, I think of it as kind of this big, crazy idea. Yeah. You know, what if everything was compatible? All data can move from one system to another as easy as you could rearrange the books on your shelf or, you know, put something from one drawer to another drawer. Um, that, that's it, this incredibly powerful idea with the implications that has for business and, and uh, uh, you know, just everything. Absolutely. Um, now, the problem with that, though, is is that it's it's pretty abstract. It's not <laughs> something I'm not going to be able to kind of rally a, a group of millions of folks to kind of take up that cause uh, in the same way that, you know, it's really easy for folks to say, well, we're going to send a spaceship to Mars or we're going to mm-hmm. we're going to build a, a train system that goes 600 miles per hour or something like that. Those, those are easy causes to get behind. They're kind of crazy science fiction Sure. The physical world, you know, we, we've seen a couple of movies probably every year <laughs> that talk about some of those things. Um, so I, I think there's this kind of real lack of, of uh, adventure. Um, and so I think really putting some time and effort into thinking about, you know, what is this adventure? Uh, that is this something you really want to do for a decade? You know, I've been working on it for, for seven years now on uh, some form or another. And I'm, I'd be just as happy to work on it for another seven or... Uh, uh, 21 or 28, you know, right. um, you know so it, it, it's because I, that, that sense of adventure, you know, to me, it's, it's, it's very similar to sending a spaceship to Mars. Um, so I would really push folks to think about, you know, kind of long-term play out. Okay. What, what does this look like if it's, you know, as, as successful as, you know, uh, I could possibly dream it to be six years from now, 10 years from now. Um, is that still something I want to be doing? Is that something I want to be known for and something I identify with? Um, because I think that's where the most interesting stuff happens and where you're going to have the most fun doing it. You know, it's a, it's a real marathon. Uh, so I, I think that's, that, that's the main thing. And uh, I, yeah. I was very lucky. I didn't intend that to, to be that way. Um, but I, I spent a lot, a lot of time, and I just, I just knew. I had so much conviction and excitement around it. Um, so... And it yeah, hasn't waned in seven back. years, it seems like, either, which is, which is yeah, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so retrospectively, I, I think I, I kind of lucked out and, you know, didn't, didn't, I had a ton of other ideas and uh, some of those were a whole lot more viable and were a whole lot easier to explain and were probably were going to be a lot easier to even raise money for totally. in the early days. Um, but uh, I'm really, really glad I, I, I stuck with this. So we talked about how, how to connect a bunch of stuff. Is there anything that we shouldn't connect like, is there stuff that shouldn't talk to each other? You think, or is just um, are we wrong on that? Is just everything should 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 connect? Uh, I I think everything should connect as long as as people are in control. Uh, you know, okay. As long as we feel confident in how something works, right? Um, yeah. You know, it's kind of like it's like saying uh, if you give someone uh, I don't know if this is going to be too morbid of an example. I'll try to stay away from that. But the, if you give someone a knife. Right. Uh, and tell them, OK, well, you know, there are you know, certain things you should be able to cut and certain things you shouldn't cut. You know, you shouldn't cut your little brother. <laughs> right. Um, but you should be able to cut your steak, you know. Um, and so it's like 
uh, we have a lot of confidence in that because we, we were, you know, we're all pretty capable of understanding why it's better to cut your steak mm -hmm. than your little brother with a knife. <laughs> um, uh, and so that confidence, you know, kind of allows us to accept the fact that there's kind of infinite possibilities. You could cut anything with a knife, um, but we're in control. We have, we get to make that decision about what we do and don't do with that tool. Um, and I think it's that it's the same real metaphors like, you know, there's there's kind of all kind of things that would be bad to connect or could cause real problems for you or your neighbor or your, your poor little brother. Um, uh, but we should still have that power. We should understand the systems and understand the tools well enough uh, to feel confident that we can make those decisions. And I think it, that just continues to build confidence where we're not beholden to some government agency or some company that kind of says, oh, no, 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 well, this is too dangerous to connect and we're not going to let you connect it. Um, I think that's, you know, it, it's, it's an approach that has a lot of short-term benefit and we probably have to uh, employ it in some cases. But I think long-term, uh, we're kind of taking control and taking a lot of what it means to be human out of the hands of humans. And that's, I think that is a very, very good quote to kind of summarize that. Uh, and, and scary and awesome and all in the same ways. Like if we're yeah. if we're sitting down, I'm out in you know your your office five years from now in San Francisco. How far are we going to get over the next five years? Do you think? You know, you, you've been at this for a while. What's your sense of the velocity here? Sure. Oh, well, I, I would say, and I'm super relevant to the last thing we talked on in terms of what we should and shouldn't connect. I think there's right. so much excitement around artificial intelligence, AI right now. Yeah, so um, much. Like, it gets, it kind of gets applied with probably too broad of a brush. I was talking to uh, a friend of mine that's an investor the other day and said something like, okay, when every, anybody pitches me an idea that says, you know, we're going to do such and such and such and AI and such and such, they largely just say, replace AI with software. <laughs> um, so, uh, but, but, you know, I think there is something there. There is something that yeah. I think is... Uh, 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 this idea that if you if you feed a system um, or software or AI whatever you want to label it, mm -hmm. you feed a system with enough data and capability, the ability to right. both kind of consume and understand that data, and then and the ability to actually take action on that data, do something, either in your real world or on your behalf, um, that there's just going to be immense productivity gains. There's going to be just be a kind of immense value derived from that. Uh, and I think uh, folks that, that kind of frame it in that way are largely right. And the folks that frame it as something that we should be concerned with are also uh, largely right. Well, we should be concerned. And so I think uh, one of the things that's going to happen over the next five years is I think we're going to start to look at AI. And we're going to kind of start to, to, to think of it as more than just, you know, the how or the, mm -hmm. the Terminator or <laughs> right. the, the AI and her. It's, it's more than just this interface that seems kind of human-like. And it's really about this system, this, 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 you can even call it a being, that has access to our data and has access to be able to do things on our behalf. Um, and uh, one of our kind of roles as humans in this equation is to be able to say, okay, well, what data do you have access to and what can you actually do on my behalf? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's one of the, the going to be the big, big challenges um, to solve is to give humans that ability and do that in a way in which they're really confident in that. Um, and so it's, it's one of the, I think, the big opportunities for IFT. Um, what, what data should, should an AI access and what should it be able to do on my behalf? What do you think that, where do you think the lines are drawn there? Like, 
where, what are I, examples of where, 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 how do you know if you've gone too far there? I, I think uh, if, if we don't go too far a few times, then we're doing it wrong. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. We, we, should be, we should be constantly kind of asking ourselves, it's, uh, it's something that will play out over you know, years and decades. Uh, mm-hmm. It's something that isn't up to just me or any one company or any one government or any one culture to really define. Um, it's something that we have to really uh, approach with kind of open minds. Um, and as we, as we try stuff, uh, make sure there's debates that happen about whether or not the, that's, those are actually good ideas. Um, but uh, yeah, I think uh, until we actually see it or we, until we can try it, until we can, can actually really kind of grasp the potential benefits and pitfalls involved in it, it's really hard to pass judgment on it. It is going to be an extremely fun five to ten years. That's I oh, think yeah. we know for sure. <laughs> we don't know much, yeah. but I think it's going to be amazing yeah. the the advances that we see. And it seems like you all are positioned right to be right in the center of it. So it's uh, it's oh, yeah. awesome. Yeah, the, the the trend that I see that it continues to be the most impressive to me is this idea of software is eating the world. Right. Um, the famous Mark Andreessen quote or or a little blurb. And I think that that idea is, will continue to be the most powerful thing as we apply software, uh, to everything, every Mm -hmm. problem, every noun, every physical object, uh, every person, every, every cell and every person, you know, I don't know what the, the extent to which we can do this, but it, it seems kind of infinite. Um, we're effectively making our world programmable. Um, and we should allow both developers and regular people be able to, 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 to program in that world, to be able to actually make that stuff work on their behalf. Yeah, I think, I think our challenge there is we're going to be able to do some amazing stuff that solves a lot of problems. It's how can we do it in the way that creates the fewest new problems that uh, mm-hmm. often mm-hmm. arises when new things are, are possible. Awesome. Well, Lyndon, this has been an amazing journey through the, I think, the present and the future and how we kind of think about connecting the world and its role around actually building the platform to make this happen. I really appreciate appreciate taking a few minutes chatting with us today. It's been, I think, invaluable. So just want to thank you so much for your time. Of course. Thank you so much, Kip. This was, uh, this was really fun. <laughs> it was great. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to our show. As always, we would love to hear your feedback. Tell us what you think by leaving a review on iTunes. 